space. Potter, P-A-T-E-R. It's the Latin word that means father. But its root word is where we get the term patriot or patriotic, which literally means father, land, or patron, which is a person who provides money for a specific endeavor or cause but it's also the word that we get paternal and pattern. Paternal and pattern. See, this is because the paternal side of the bloodline is designed to establish the pattern for the coming generations. So the question is, fathers, what kind of pattern are you establishing? Because let's be honest, you're going to establish a pattern, whether it's a good one or a bad one, whether you're present or whether you're absent, whether you're supportive or whether you're a deadbeat, <laughs> whether you're responsible or whether you're irresponsible, you will establish a pattern. There are millions, maybe billions of daughters in the world who are picking based off of a messed up pattern. So now their lover or their relationship is the product or the result of a pattern. Some of our sons don't know whether crying is good for them or bad for them based on a pattern. Our financial literacy for generations to come. Do we buy the sneakers or do we invest into our new business? How we view money is based off of a pattern. So Potter, what pattern are you creating? So there are a lot of myths out here about what it means to be a father or what fatherhood should look like. And, and I'm going to be honest, I think that a lot of what we think makes a good father is an extension of what we think makes a good man. So if we're living in a society where our understanding or our conception of manhood is skewed, is fractured, is toxic, then by extension, what we think makes a good father will be skewed, will be fractured, and will probably be toxic. 
For instance, let's talk about providing. Boys are raised from a young age, from a young age to believe that they are providers. And I'm going to be honest, based on my moral code, I believe that to be true. However, I do think we have a very narrow and limited scope on what being a provider means. See, being a provider is about what you bring or import into your house, which is much different from being a protector, which we'll get into later, because being a protector is what you keep out of your house. But but that providing is what are you bringing into your house? And we've limited that. We've pigeonholed that term provider to just be about finance. But here's the danger in that, fathers. If being a provider is solely about finance, you are missing the fullness, the fullness of what you could add to future generations by thinking money is the only thing you're called to provide. Because are you telling me that if you lose a job or if the stock market goes upside down in haywire, if a business venture doesn't go well, doesn't go expected, that you no longer have value to your children or in this world at all? There's no way that could be true. So, so being a provider has to be about a lot more than just importing finances because there are some really rich and well-off fathers whose children's accounts want for nothing, but their emotional accounts are bankrupt. There are fathers across the world who give a lot of money paying child support, but their children haven't seen them at a game in forever. So sure, you could balance a checkbook, but do you have imbalanced emotions? Sure, you could bring home the bacon, but if the only thing you bring home is the bacon, that means you're also bringing home some emotional burdens. What does it mean to be a provider? Being a provider is also about providing pro, meaning before, <laughs> vide, that's coming from a short way of looking at video, or that's how we get the word providence, you, you, before, video before, seeing it before, come on fathers, <laughs> Being a provider is not just about making sure there's enough money before an emergency. Being a provider is also about what are you putting into their emotional health? Do your children know how to come to you and talk to you or talk to their mothers or talk to someone they trust when they got something on their heart? The, 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 what does it look like to come home and not only have a full bank account, but also have full capacity to hear your children tell you, hey, this is the most enjoyable part of my day. Providing goals well beyond your checkbook. Because there are rich kids that have not hugged their fathers 
in years. I got to also be able to provide instruction. I got to also be able to provide wisdom. I got to also be able to provide, help you see before it happens. Advice on women, on men. When you have a son teaching him how to talk to a lady, you got to provide some of your experience. So you got to literally go back to your old experience, look back in order to help him look forward. Say, hey, son, don't fall into this trap. <laughs> if you have daughters, you got to be able to dispel the myths that all men are bad and all men are toxic and show her a model of what it means. For her to go out there and get a man that knows how to care for his family, that knows how to open up his heart and also knows how to open up his checkbook. <laughs> Provide. It's all about seeing before. That's why we say God is providential. Pro before vidential short for another form of video. He sees it before. That's what being a provider is about. I've been through this life before you. See, I'm, 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 a, I'm at an age where my daughters have never been my age, but I've been theirs. So it's up to me and their mom to help them see what could be and see what could come. So when I provide, it's not just out of my pockets. I'm also providing a model. Because at their age now, they'll be able to see what could be pro video. They see it before. They'll see what their household, what their husband or what even their friendships and partnerships could look like. Because I don't want this to be mistaken that for daughters that I'm training them to be taken off and wished away by some man because the goal in life is not to be married. <laughs> the goal in life is to live a fulfilled life and live out God's purpose. But if I am doing my job, I provide them with a way of seeing into their future. And fathers, if we're not being good examples then what we're giving them vision into is how messed up a man can be. And now we break their trust on what men can and should be. <laughs> if we're not being good examples, we're giving our sons pro video <laughs> into what manhood is supposed to look like. And now they'll think my poor model is the summit of manhood. So providing is about what you bring into your household. It's about what you are helping your children see before it even happens. So providing is a lot more prophetic. We look at it like it's only about the present. How can I provide money for this bill? 
How can I provide money for college? How can I provide money for this new prom outfit? But providing is also about pro-videoing. Helping them see before they get there. So that they have some kind of semblance of what it looks like to be a man or to have a good man in their lives. So let's bust the myth that providing is just about money. It's a lot more than that. Let's get into this idea that fathers are protectors. This is another characterization of fatherhood that, quite frankly, I agree with and I do believe to be true. But once again, I think the myth about being a protector is that it only has to do with physicality. In other words, we want to understand being a protector as being somebody who's tough, who will fight for your kids, who your kids know, don't mess with me because I can call my daddy. All that's good and well. But is that the totality of what it looks like to be a protector? So earlier we talked about how being a provider is about what you bring in to your house. But being a protector is about what you keep out of your house. And, 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 and if you think that being a protector is just about keeping out robbers and, and muggers and, and thieves and bullies, let's, let's ask yourself a question. How often is that really happening in your home? Like, is your home getting robbed every day? Is, is your child getting into some type of physical altercation where you would need to step in every day? Is, is there a burglar or some other physical danger that you need to protect your children from every day? For most of us, for most of us, the answer is probably no. So that would mean that if I am a protector and that's pigeonholed to just mean protector physically, like daddy got hands, these work. Or he got something else stashed away that he could let off that also works, right? If I just hold up my position as protector to just being physical, that means that more days than not, I'm not doing my job because I don't have to fend off burglars, robbers, or bullies, or, or, or some other physical danger every single day. So that would mean if, if, if I only limit myself to being a physical protector, I am absolving myself of any other daily responsibility as a parent. So being a protector has got to be about more than just the physical. 
So let's go deeper. How do you protect your home spiritually? (laughs) Because there are some fights. There are some battles. There are some wars that these (laughs) or something you carry on your hip cannot fight. Because the battle is not happening with physical hands. The fight is not happening with physical weapons. So, so how are you fighting and protecting spiritually? Are you praying over your children, taking authority, laying hands on them, touching them, covering them with the protection of God? Protecting and pleading the blood of Christ over their lives. Huh? Are you are you praying over them spiritually in your mornings, in your devotions? Maybe when you're driving, are you taking time to ask the Almighty to cover them from, from some of the toxicity and, and messed up messages that are coming through their media? Through social media, poor constructions of manhood, poor constructions of womanhood, poor constructions of of, of family and poor constructions of the way we should treat people with love and with compassion. Are you are you spiritually being a protector of what's coming into their lives through the eye gate, through the ear gate? What are you letting pass through that YouTube kids? What are you letting pass through social media? What are you letting pass through your TV? How are you protecting them spiritually from the dangers that can't be fought with these? How how are you protecting your children emotionally? Like, 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 let's, let's get into, let's, Let's get the chop in this fable in the words of Loaded Lux. Let's get the chop in this fable. Okay. Let's let's debunk this myth that that men are not emotional or don't have emotions or should not feel their emotions. You know, you know the problem with that, fellas? Let me tell you the problem with that. The issue with that is that if I am the protector of my home, but I don't have feelings or know how to handle or manage my feelings, then I also cannot be a safe space for my children to bring their feelings to me. If being a protector is keeping things safe, how can I keep us emotionally safe and well in my home? If I'm never in tune with my own feelings, I can't empathize with my son who comes to me crying about an issue if I in myself don't even know how to empathize with my own tears. I cannot empathize with my daughter telling me she's having a problem with her self-esteem, with her skin tone, with her hair texture. If I am not in touch and in tune with myself to know how I feel about me. 
How can I be a protector of my home if emotionally I cannot create good soil for us to have healthy conversations? It's virtually impossible. So, fellas, fathers, kill all that noise that we're not supposed to be in tune with our emotions, that we're not supposed to be in touch with our emotions. I am not a protector if I'm not in touch with my emotions because I cannot protect my children or my wife emotionally if I don't even know how to feel my own feelings. If I tell myself I'm crazy for crying every once in a while, if I tell myself that I'm weak for feeling like I'm hurt or sad, then then, then how do you think you're going to respond when your child falls off their bike, feels defeated, and feels physical pain? Can you really protect them emotionally? It's okay that your hands work, but does your heart work? I don't mind stepping in if somebody's messing with my kids. But I also need to be able to step in and be a protector when their low self-esteem is messing with themselves. How, how, How? If I'm disconnected from me, can I be good soil for emotional protection? Let's let's talk finances. This, this, hey, listen, this, this, <laughs> a lot of us ain't got this together. We all still learn it. I'm not talking from a place of having it. I'm talking from a place of learning it. It's not a seat of judgment. This is a seat of journey. I'm walking this thing as I'm talking this thing. <laughs> so let's talk financial protection. If we're protectors, my kids can't just know that I know how to fight, but they don't know whether or not they're going to eat tonight. Or they don't know whether or not when they graduate from school, if they going to have options. We got to understand that as we walk this walk, y'all, fathers, potters, We got to protect them from damage in the future. Say, hey, I want to teach you how to save money now so that when emergencies come up, this is how you handle it. Say, hey, I'm going to put this credit card in your name, but I'm going to hold on to it. I ain't going to spend a lot on it. I'm going to pay it off, but it's going to help boost your credit so that when you get older, you have good credit from doing nothing just from this one card I put you on protection. I'm I'm protecting you. Watch this. I'm protecting you from a market that might go up and down by keeping your money in something stable like a bond or something like that. I'm protecting you from completely from from completely running into financial ruins not by what I put in your pockets but also what I put up here. So if I give you tools about how to invest your money, how to invest in yourself when you got a bright idea, when you got a vision, when you got a goal, how to go after it and put your finances or put your allowance into it. I'm giving you financial protection. Protection is not just about these. I 
don't want my kids to think that I'm tough, but know that I'm broke. I don't want my kids to think that I can scrap, but 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 know that that same anger that I'll beat somebody up with is the same lashing out that they'll get if they told me that something went wrong in their day and I'm having a bad day. So let's let's bust this myth up that we're protectors of the physical because we're protectors of the emotional of the financial and of the spiritual. Here's the final thing that I want to talk to us fathers about. Now, this one may not seem like it's as related to fatherhood, but without this, you actually don't become a father. So let's talk about sex and the pleasure myth. What's the myth about pleasure? We often hear that sex is all men think about because we have testosterone. Our libidos are higher than women and men want sex way more than women want sex. And while scientifically there may be some studies that can prove that to be anecdotally true. There are some other doctors that say something contrary. Women actually want sex just as much as men. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. One study says that the libido and the sex drive of a woman is sometimes appearing to be a lot lower than a man's because they're dealing with higher levels of depression, of stress, and of fatigue. So, so it's not that they don't want you, but they're doing so much or they're so stressed out or they're so tired that the actual activity of sex takes away from from something like they 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 lose energy thinking about it because of all the other things that they're involved in so brothers here's what we have to understand here's what we have to understand we are not aroused the same way that women are okay follow me follow me men are aroused through the eye gate Women are aroused through the mind. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we not doing that's making a woman say she's too tired or she's too stressed or she doesn't have the energy? Where we get to the end of the night and we got the energy, we ain't too tired and we ain't too stressed. Fellas, fathers, we got to step in and create more pockets to reduce stress and fatigue for our ladies. Because by occupying pockets of stress reduction, we then open, open up space for them to have a higher drive for pleasure. Okay? 
Women need to know that we care about them before the actual physical intimacy takes place. They need to know by you holding their hand. They need to know by you sending them sweet messages. They need to know by physical touch, but not the way we think about it, like just slapping her butt or grabbing her booty when you walk past. Still do that. You know what I'm saying? Do that. But they also need to know by the caressing of their face, by rubbing your fingers through their hair, by holding them and letting them feel safe and protected. So, so, so when we do these things, what we start to tap into is the mind. We can get aroused just by them walking around the house in some short shorts. And we'd be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But women are aroused by the anticipation of the event. You ever seen a woman do event planning? Ever seen like how the energy goes up knowing that they're planning for something? Getting the decorations right? Picking out the color schemes? What kind of balloons we going to have? Who we going to invite? Where they going to sit? But why do you think that field is dominated by women? There's, a, there's a, a mental stimulation that goes on through anticipation for the thing. You have to tap in to the heart and mind of your woman. If you want to see her open up and give you the most of her sexually. We got to break the myth that they don't want us or they don't want it as much as we want it. We just have to understand we're not stimulated the same. So it's easier for us to get stimulated if our eye gate is the pleasure gate. Because all they got to do is look good that day and it's all they popping. All we got to do is see their waist move a certain way and we like, thank you, Jesus. All we got to see is a shirt just a little bit low enough and we're like, we we good. Whereas. Sure, you could be fit and they'll say you're attractive, but they need a lot more for their arousal than we do. Let's also talk about the weight, the, the, the weight that our sisters are carrying in our homes, in our neighborhoods. I mean, they're dealing with intersections of injustice, not just from being a minority by gender, but if I'm talking to black and brown people right now that are listening, being a minority by by race, the weight, the fatigue of constantly doing the same work, being more educated, but getting paid less of trying to find good brothers that's going to hold you down and hold you up. It's stressful. And it impacts my ability to want sexual pleasure. So brothers, especially the married fellas who are out there, not that I'm excluding anybody else. But in order to debunk the myth that we want it more than them, which is going to get you more kids and you be a father one, two, three, four times over. We have to understand how their minds and our bodies work. Pleasure is not about the same thing for everybody. And us brothers, it starts, it has a different starting point. For sisters, it has a different starting point. So fellas, if you want to bust that myth and you want to, to really open up the, the heart, the availability, and the energy levels of your lady, 
you have to one, stimulate her mind first. Stimulate her mind first. That can be text messages, that can be sweet messages, that can be dates, that can be through uh, caressing and affection. Stimulate that mind. Two, you have to reduce the levels of stress and fatigue in her life when you have the power to. When you can take something off her plate, you just made a little bit more room for some more energy. When you can step in and lean in instead of sitting and being a couch potato, you just added a little more room on her plate for some energy. When you can speak to the issues that she's dealing with in society every day, when she walks into work, when she's dealing with the kids and take some of that off her plate or comfort her through some of that, you think it sounds like emotional support. You think it sounds like mental health support, but really you're stepping in and opening up the gate for her to be drawn to you sexually. So let's, let's break the myth that only the fellas want it. We're the only ones that want it. Nah, fathers. You're a father because at some point she wanted it from you. <laughs> so what you got to figure out is what buttons did you hit that caused her to open up her heart and open up her mind to you? That's the pleasure myth. We ain't the only ones that want it. We just ain't pushing the right buttons. So, fathers, we're always getting a bad rap around Father's Day, whether it's because single mothers are raising their own children and they attempt to usurp our day, or whether it's because there are high rates of breakups and divorces and single-parent households, so those who are present don't usually get the recognition we're usually just hearing about the ones that didn't do it right. But I'm just here to tell you, if you're there, if you're supportive, God is proud of you. Keep establishing the pattern, Potter. And if you ever fall short, if you're ever not clear on what you can do, don't ever forget that we have a heavenly father who can provide us all the wisdom we need to do this fatherhood thing right, or at least to the best of our abilities. So, Pater, we're all going to make a pattern but what type of pattern will you create?